I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The dust is still settling on last week's San Francisco school board recall. It was a landslide. Gabriela Lopez, Allison Collins, and Fauga Maliga will be officially replaced by appointees chosen by Mayor London Breed. There were all kinds of hot takes across the country about how it all went down. Some blamed COVID frustrations. Others called it a conservative revolt against San Francisco progressivism. Allison Collins, a black school board member, was called a racist, while all three were called incompetent. It was all very dramatic. While the turnout for the recall itself was fairly low, one group really showed up, and the headlines took note of that too. Asian Americans were pivotal in getting the three school board members ousted. Chronicle reporter Roland Lee joins me today to explain why and what it may mean for the future of politics in San Francisco. Don't forget, the recall election of District Attorney Chesa Boudin is just months away. At the same time, Asian Pacific Islanders are not a monolith, though the headlines sometimes miss that. Later, I'll be joined by Gaynoran Siatunga, who is a San Francisco native and the director of The Hut, a Pacific Islander community hub in the Bayview. Ousted board member Fauga Maliga helped establish that resource center. Siatunga will share why Pacific Islanders are often missing from the conversations about the political power of AAPIs and what the recall of Maliga means for her. Let's start with reporter Roland Lee. Roland, it's so nice to have you on Fifth Emission. Thanks for having me. So, Roland, you and our colleague Gwendolyn Wu wrote a really great piece last week about the political power of Asian American voters in San Francisco and their influence in the school board recall, which everyone seemed to be talking about. Tell me, just how much larger was the Asian American voter turnout compared to other elections in the city? Well, we're still waiting on final data, but we did see that the number of non-citizen voters went up to pretty much its highest level ever. Uh, Non-citizen voters are allowed to vote in the school board races. And there were um, 266 registered as of last Wednesday. And um, that's compared to 36 registered voters in November 2020, which was the presidential race. So um, Mm -hmm. definitely a pretty big uptick there. Another thing was that during the recall uh, signature gathering, about a third of those supporters were Asian American out Mm -hmm. of the 80,000 signatures. So definitely a key uh, demographic. It's important to be specific about who we're talking about when we say Asian American voters in San Francisco. Which group was most supportive of the recall and what were their motivations? Chinese Americans make up about half of the Asian American population and about 36 percent of the overall city identifies as Asian American. Um, There was, you know, particular sensitivity uh, towards the Lowell High School Uh, admissions change, and also some of the anti-Asian tweets from Allison Collins, who was uh, one of the recalled board members. Um, So I talked to a kind of first-time political operative, um, Ann Sue, and she had never really participated in the political process until her sons were basically affected by remote learning, and one of them wasn't doing well. And then she became really uh, involved in the recall campaign during the voter registration period, And uh, her group that she formed ended up registering 560 first-time voters. Mm. That's a lot of engagement. It was a very low turnout election. Turnout was about 30%. um, As of last week, that's compared to upwards of, you know, like 80% in the presidential election in 2020. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, when that's a dynamic, 
you actually uh, have a lot more power if you're more energized and you know going to the polls. Yeah, and this recall really galvanized the Asian American population in San Francisco. And we've heard a lot about how much money was raised for the recall. And like you're saying, you know, there was a lot of grassroots organizing to get people to show up. And it successfully gained the support of folks who normally aren't engaged in elections in this way. So how did organizers make that happen? Yeah, I mean, the uh, financial gap was humongous. Um, The Yes campaign raised over 1.9 million. And uh, the No campaign had about 86,000. You know, a lot of the uh, No on recall folks are saying that, you know, there was a lot of conservative and Republican and charter school interests pushing this um, Yes campaign. But I think talking to some of the folks who worked on the campaign, they really feel like that's being overstated. This started as a grassroots parents uh, effort. And a lot of these volunteers had never interacted with the, the donors. Um, but definitely money was was an advantage that helped them, you know, send these marketing efforts like by text, by WeChat, you know, Chinese language outreach. So that was, you know, pretty new compared to previous campaigns that you know kind of focused on just English speaking voters. What do you think this all signals to other political efforts in the city? This outreach, like you're describing, was intentional about meeting Chinese voters where they are. So is this about the message itself or the targeting of the message, speaking to groups that maybe normally are ignored? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a very unique circumstance. You know, the Department of Elections said that they had never you know, had election quite like this, a special election triggered by a recall. And education was the main issue when usually it's something like his mayor, mayor's race or state assembly. It's hard to say, you know, what does this mean for future campaigns? I think the Chesa Boudin uh, recall is definitely top of mind next. That's in June. And it's still hard to say, you know, not all these groups are supportive of that recall. Um, a lot of the political clubs that took a position uh, in favor of the recall did, have not endorsed either way. And Mayor Breed has not uh, endorsed either. It is really hard to say, but um, a lot of these voters, however, um, do feel energized and they, you know, they definitely will get involved in future elections. So I think it's definitely important that political campaigns don't ignore them in the future. And the API community isn't a monolith, even though, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of headlines that Asian American voters did this with the recall. Um, not everyone supported this school board recall. What were some of the reasons why some API community members were against it? Yeah, I mean, some of the folks I talked to, they felt like the school board was really trying to tackle the racial equity issue that they had been elected to do. Some of them, uh, you know, felt like the, the school names are hurtful, um, you know, and they need to be changed. There are definitely people that supported the school board members and even said they would vote for them again if they ran November, which they can do uh, if they want. Mm-hmm. Falga Baliga was the first um, Pacific Islander elected official ever in the history of the city. So he was you know, definitely a real inspiration to that community. They're really upset that, uh, for instance, the mayor who had actually appointed him originally turned around and mm-hmm. you know, said that he should get uh, recalled. That shows that this really isn't about you know, one group being more conservative or liberal, you know, there's definitely members of both sides. The Asian American community gets kind of labeled as a more moderate one, but, um, you know, definitely talk to a lot of people who were against the recall and tend to vote progressive a lot of the time. This whole situation has signaled that Asian Americans are flexing their political power right now. 
What do you think is really important for all of us to keep in mind? What do you think gets lost in the headlines when people talk about the AAPI vote? Asian Americans have been involved in politics, you know, since the 70s, 80s. Uh, you know, education was a huge issue back then, um, especially around like racial quotas. There's definitely been pretty big legacy of Asian Americans being in politics. You know, the the late mayor, Ed Lee, was the first Chinese-American and Asian-American mayor. It's, again, hard to characterize this as, you know, right-wing or left-wing or anti-pandemic backlash. You know, there were some very specific mm-hmm. issues here that are really unique to the school district. I mean, the, the size of the deficit, just the actions of the school board members, just, you know, they definitely went beyond um, some of the other school districts in the country. Um, I think we'll definitely see, you know, education and safety being major issues, um, but not just for Asian-Americans, but for all residents. And I think this really um, kind of reinforced that there'll be a pretty active force going forward. Roland Lee is a business reporter at The Chronicle. His story about San Francisco's Asian American voters was written with Chronicle reporter Gwendolyn Wu. It's online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. After the break, a lot of people are talking about the AAPI vote. We'll zero in on the PI of that acronym. Gaynoransi Atunga is an activist and the director of The Hut, a Pacific Islander community resource center in the Bayview. She'll share what's missing from this spotlight on AAPI voters and what the recall of one board member, Fauga Maliga, means for her community. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. One day after losing in a landslide recall election, ousted board member Fauga Maliga quickly resigned. He was the first Pacific Islander to serve an elected office in San Francisco. He was handpicked by Mayor Lyndon Breed herself in 2018 to fill a vacancy, and that meant a lot to San Francisco Pacific Islanders, including Gaynoran Siatanga, an activist and the director of The Hut, a Pacific Islander community resource center in the Bayview. She joins me now. Gaynoran, thank you for joining me. Let's start here. There are so many people talking about last week's recall, which was propelled by the grassroots organizing of Chinese voters in San Francisco. How are you feeling? I have so many mixed emotions. Just looking at that and these three uh, commissioners that have been recalled, one represents, uh, you know, population that is definitely underrepresented, you know, um, within this city. It's hard to just overlook that. I'm a Pacific Islander mix. I'm a native of San Francisco, born and raised. And especially with our commissioner, uh, Fanga Molina, you know, that was the first uh, political uh, official we've ever had ever in the city, um, you know, that look like us, that represent us. And I'm talking about Pacific Islanders. I know within a government, you know, we're, we're lumped together with our Asian brothers and sisters. I didn't know how much it impacted our people until it happened. For me, because we were on the forefront with uh, Commissioner Faunga Molina um, before he got into office, when he got into office, and I know the work will still continue um, this recall did not break any spirit of us, you know, being community servers. We've done it for yeah. a long time. It's like part of our DNA. There's been 
a lot of attention on the voter turnout for the recall with a particular focus on Chinese residents in the city who often don't participate in elections like this, but they did on this one. A lot of coverage has been quick to say, you know, this is the position of Asian Americans or APIA folks. How do you respond to that? We get lumped up together by governments, you know, API, and that's Asian Pacific Islanders. It has always been a challenge for the Pacific Islanders to actually be truly recognized or to be acknowledged um, all these years. We never had accurate data that was just specifically for Pacific Islanders. Our people have been you know, existing in this city and contributing majorly for a hundred and plus years. And we're all, we're the only community that doesn't have anything solidified, you know, out here, there's no freaking foundation, you know? And so, you know, um, with this race, and I really truly believe that because we finally got somebody in office Um, Not only that looked like us, that knows our culture, but also came from the struggle in this American society, um, you know, and that actually works and worked with the community prior to them entering. This is an actual, real, true Samoan or Pacific Islander person. What I think is very hypocritical is for the past few years, everybody is talking about equity and everybody they're throwing these words around equity equality what it just goes show right now that's they contradicted themselves you now took the only face and the only voice that has been in office and then you took him away because he stood up and made policies or supported policies that supported the, the most marginalized communities and the, those that are in disparities. As Asian Pacific Islanders right now are gaining more recognition for their political power, what do you think the organizing and work within the API community will have to look like? You know, how can people better differentiate between the diversity of, of different groups? But the difference with us as Pacific Islanders and Asians is Asians have more representation in, in spaces and stuff that, you know, they, they have voices, they have folks that are in office, they have folks in spaces that make decisions or whatnot, and that can speak up for them. We don't, you know, one wasn't even enough, but we were really grateful that we had one. That was so historical for us. I wanted to go to Lowell High School when, um, when I was getting ready to graduate from James Denver Middle School. Unfortunately, the one reason why I could not attend Lowell was because my address was in Hunter's Point. It was because I was coming from the projects. I ended up going to Babel High School. Affirmative action was coming out. Over a thousand of us young people went and marched for affirmative action. And we passed, right? It passed. Lowell issued out a quota this is a public school. Like, who are you to have a quota? Like, you're more special than any other public school. So being 40, this happened when I was very young, 14, 15, 16. Look at how many years this has been going on. We couldn't go to those schools. And that school is way out in the sunset, in the good areas. 
near St. Francis Woods, all that, the population in that school has always been two types, you know, of cultures. So as the director of the HUT, which is a new Pacific Islander community organization in the Bayview, what does organizing the political power of Pacific Islanders need to look like now? What have you learned from this process? I didn't know how much this was going to impact our community. You know, with following we've been able to um, have this, right, um, have a PI resource hut. You know, he's been with us in planning a lot of this stuff before he even got into office. But the major concern now for our Pacific Islanders is where do we go from here? What's going to happen with our representation and our voice? Um, you know, what's going to happen um, with the support or the continuous support? Because what we were trying to do was build and create this solid foundation that can live on for 100 years for the rest of our generations. But the importance of having a place, um, you know, and a space for our future um, and our present is so vital throughout San Francisco today we're nearly extinct. And maybe that too is why no one cares about us. We're very concerned right now as a community um, as to where we go from here. If the city, you know, supported these recall folks and, you know, they took our voice and representation that we wanted in there, but then there was also appointed, you know, in there. Um, but since they took that away, they would have to be held accountable to making sure that that we get the, the fair share of equity and the fair share of resources and services, including funding. I guess I want to ask this last question to you, which is, do you have a message to, you know, the Asian voters who were supporting the recall and what can they do to better understand some of these issues that you've highlighted here. Do you, do you feel hopeful that solidarity within the API community could be possible? I believe solidarity can be possible um, with any culture. It depends on people. Because I know a lot of our Asian brothers and sisters, I know they came from the gutter just like we did. You know, and I know they struggled and worked their butts off, you know, um, to get to where they're at. I'm never no hater on anybody doing that. I'd love for them to have a little bit more compassion, you know, um, as, you know, when we have compassion as well, when something mm -hmm. occurs, you know, with them. Kinneran, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with me today. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Gaynoran Siatanga is the director of The Hut, a joint project between the city and community organizations to address the needs of Pacific Islanders in San Francisco. There will be plenty more spicy San Francisco politics to keep an eye on. For more coverage of the upcoming Chesa Boudin recall election, visit sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. Thanks to Karen Creighton for producing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>